welcome to the Life House Church Beloved Podcast. I'm Lena Hobson and I'm here with Carolyn Thomas and Olivia Robson. Got it right both times now. Oh, good. For the win. Good <laughs> um, we're continuing on with our series on Colossians chapter 2. So we're up to verses 13 to 15. And last week we, we spoke about, we finished off by talking about baptism and just the power of baptism, that public declaration that you have your old life is you're dying and you're being buried with Christ, sorry, and you're being raised up with Christ into a new life and that it's a it's a public statement of that inward change that you've made. Okay, so let's just jump in again into verse thirteen to fifteen. So when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. I love that verse. Ah, the best! (laughs) Alright, so Paul's given us three really graphic pictures to show what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Okay, so dead in your sins, he's cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness and he's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So let's start talking about dead in sin. Olivia. I um, I think it was um, William Barclay that said this, but I had a little chuckle to myself because he basically said, so this means that we have no more power than a dead person over yep. our sin. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's great. <laughs> a dead person can't do anything. <laughs> yep, we cannot resuscitate ourselves back to life. No. You're gonna. Nothing. Completely dust. Yep. And I think I've written something similar, um, Olivia, that's good, that he, he um, Paul uses the word dead to mm. show that in ourselves we've absolutely no power to overcome or to atone for our sins. We cannot do it ourselves. Yeah. I mean, because obviously when you're dead in your sins, you're physically alive, so he's talking there as well about spiritual death, and since the fall, everybody born into that world is physically alive, but absolutely spiritually dead separated from God and and that is the whole you know thing of why Jesus came to remove that separation so yep Mm -hmm. so there's nothing we can do except confess our sins repent and accept the sacrifice of Christ which is again why that whole false teaching so dangerous that you know he was um you know just a phantom or whatever that we cannot atone for our sins so if you take away what Jesus did and who he is then we just lost Christ Yep. Uh, he's cancelled our legal indebtedness. So you think about a criminal when they're charged by the police. They've got that list of charges against them. Yeah. We too had a charge list and Jesus just wiped that clean. He wiped our slate clean. Yeah. We've got, yeah, as you said, we've got sin just piled up, right? And so that made that list of debt to God. And we see as well that the children of Israel, they were aware of this. Um, Exodus 24, verse 3. When Moses went and told the people all of the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said we will do. And in Deuteronomy as well, we see that you know, Moses told them all the laws and read out whatever, and they, all, they agreed to the curses and blessings. And they agreed, um, you know, the curses were the debt. If we disobey, that's what's going to come on us. And they agreed to that. And I was just reading um, Kings the other day as well. I'm just thinking of Solomon. 
and all that he had, you know, and the wisdom and what God gave him and the riches. And then once the end of it, he's a womanizer. That's what was his downfall. And, you know, even there, when he built the temple and the, the dedication of the temple where he listed all the things again and they agreed, you know, to serve God and agreed with the curses as well, knowing, like, and he even listed for them what would happen if they disobedient. And then he goes into that himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're in the same situation because of sin and as you said, Lena, Jesus totally wiped that out. And there were, there's a Greek verb there, oh, exalapian. And it was when the scribe in those days, they needed to, you know, papyrus and stuff and, that they had and, and basically animal skin was very valuable and expensive. And that's what they wrote on. And if they had to um, reuse it, they just took a sponge and they could wipe it totally clean. And that's the word that he uses there where... The ink was just wiped out as if it had never even been yeah. there, and that's what Jesus' death did for us, just absolutely wiped it out. Mm-hmm. Right, and then he's taken it away. So now to the cross. You can't get any deader than dead and now into the cross, hey? Yeah. yeah. All uh-huh. our debts and charges. Crucified, cancelled, never to be seen again. Mm-hmm. And that's where Romans 8, 1 comes in, therefore there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because of that. Mm. And Romans 8, um, 33 to 34, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? And and this is a, um, a particular um, two verses that you can use as well when Satan comes with accusation to you and tries to condemn you. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. We don't have to mm. accept condemnation from anyone. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So if he doesn't condemn us, we do not need to accept condemnation from anybody, enemy or any person as well. So if you've had someone who's condemning you, you do not have to accept that. That's good. Okay. Verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross right so we've got another graphic picture so disarmed public spectacle triumphing over them Liv do you want to talk about disarmed I want to talk about public spectacle I just um that that one particularly really stands out because the whole Gnostic kind of thing like the secret teaching and the secret wisdom and stuff it was like Paul saying this was a public recognition. Everyone can know. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're this person or that person, you don't have to be some, you know, upright, like really righteous person. It was for every sinner. It was a public declaration that Jesus um, has come to redeem us, or he did redeem us. So, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Jesus completely broke the enemy's power. So he conquered him and disabled him. And he stripped him of his power over us. So, just completely disarmed. Weapons down, you've got nothing against us. And that's what I love. Paul uses a lot of military pictures and stuff. You know, that's what they could relate to and what's we. And and I love that as well, that disarmed. It's just, you know, it's to take away, take that weapon away from, to render absolutely defenseless, to make powerless. And Jesus conquered and disarmed Satan and all his troops, all those evil spirits. And he conquered them forever. They've got no, like you said, Lena, they have absolutely no power over us. 
and the only power they have is when we give access and a foothold because of sin but other than that he's got no weapons he, I love the word he he stripped them as well some of the translations got he totally stripped them um, you know and that's the word that Paul's using there for disarmed and if you just think of stripping it's just taken everything like a defeated foe you go and just strip them clean take yeah. everything off them once and for all and the public spectacle as well was um, a situation where it was open shame and humiliation mm. um, you know conquered soldiers got stripped of all their clothes and their weapons to symbolize that total defeat and the Roman generals would lead them captive through the streets of the city for everyone to see mm-hmm. and as you said everyone has access as evidence of the complete victory and that they were totally humiliated and that's what Jesus has done and you know um, if we think about that like I've used that you know if I think of that scripture I use that whenever um, Satan or demons try and come and accuse me and condemn me you know there's particular times when I can you know be under heavy attack and you know there's nothing more powerful than the spoken word of God coming out of your mouth and I'll often if I'm really under attack and I know it's a severe attack um, from the enemy I will quote that scripture and that's just so powerful, that word of God, that spoken word of God, you know, just reminding him of what has actually been done. And, you know, the yeah. Bible says you submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And he does not like hearing that. Mm-hmm. So you really need to remind him of that, especially when you're getting condemned and attacked and, you know, your mind is going crazy, your thoughts and you're feeling you just remember, you know, because one of his big tactics is intimidation. He will try to make you feel intimidated and scared of him. And that's where the scripture really comes into play, that you do not have to be scared and intimidated. Mm. I used to sort of see it as that God and Satan were like equal opposing mm. forces. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I was, didn't, I was really afraid to step out because I thought that, you know, I was afraid of what Satan and his angels would do to me because yeah. that would just put a big target on my back. Um but then Christ has disarmed the powers and authorities and triumphed over them. So in Christ, I'm already victorious. Yep. He's completely diff- There are no equal opposing forces. Yes. Not on never the same footing. Yeah. No, yeah. never. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you don't even try need to try and defeat Satan. You don't need to engage in him some little mind game or yep. having this tug and war back and forth throwing different scriptures. Like, it's in Christ we're already victorious, as, as you say just speak out the script and like mm-hmm. it, it's already done and that's what I like what you say it's not a case of sitting arguing with him back and forth but we saw when Jesus was tempted as well like he spoke it is written boom and that's mm-hmm. where I'm talking about you given the scripture like no it says this I am not intimidated greater is he that is in me you have yep. been disarmed and stripped and that's the end of the story just like giving us you know dispatch yeah. boom there's the spoken word and what you said as well Lena about you know, sadly, I've heard people, um, a lot of Christians in churches and things, where there's that kind of teaching. You know, it might not be explicit, but it's definitely there that, like, let's not talk about Satan. We don't talk about the enemy. We don't talk about spiritual warfare. Because if we do that, if we leave him alone, he won't bother us. You know, and if we don't talk about because the more, you know, and we've had that sort of accusation as well, oh, well, if you're teaching about all this stuff, then, you know, we're getting under more attack now um, than we were before. So if we just don't talk about it or go into it, then we're not going to get attacked, which is mm-hmm. absolute rubbish. We're in a war. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can't pretend he doesn't exist. 
Mm. You know, the Bible tells us we're not unaware of the enemy and his schemes. That's why we teach on spiritual warfare and we teach on how to use your weapons and etc. You know, so, and as you said, Lena, it's not an equal playing field and it never ever was equally powerful um, forces opposing mm. each other. It's never been like that. Mm. But he wants us to believe that. Yeah. And sometimes we can get into that kind of tit for tat, you know. Yeah. yeah, and because like Satan knows the Bible so well, yeah. he can throw stuff back at you and yeah. you'd be like, <gasps> yeah. but no, he takes everything out of context and twists That's everything to, to get yeah. you down and intimidate yeah. you, yeah. but we've already won the victory. Yeah. And if you're getting scripture, because I know I've talked before about that, so I often get attacked like that, I'll get scriptures condemning me. Yeah. Um, yes, scripture can convict me, but you got to, you know, as you get, he gets more subtle you know, he can just throw thoughts, you know, as you are sort of less mature in your faith. And the more you get the word in you, then he gets more subtle where he'll come at you with the word. And there as well, you have to be so discerning. Um, oh, no, you know, the word. Yeah, <laughs> I'm wrong. You know. Especially when you take the word so seriously and you value it, then when you get that coming back at you, you're like, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then I've had a number of times where, like you say, lean it's out of context. And I have to like, no, hang on, this is not. I'm not feeling conviction here, I'm feeling condemnation and the word has been used to condemn me and I need to go and look at it in context and, and see, you know, whether it applies and, yeah. So. Okay. Let's move on to verses 16-23. Okay. It says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what they eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Since you die with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Okay, so Paul's writing this letter to refute the false teaching that was threatening to come into the church at Colossae. Right, so these are warnings by Paul to the Colossians not to adopt certain Gnostic practices uh, and that if they did take those on, they would be actually regressing in their faith. So Paul addresses four specific Gnostic practices here. He talks about Gnostic asceticism, observances of days and special visions, and worship of angels. So we're just going to look, in, look at these four now. Alright, so Gnostic asceticism. Verse 16 says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. And verse 21 again, Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Alright, so what am I talking about? What's asceticism? 
Well, so absolute severe discipline and avoiding all forms of what would look like, you know, indulgence for religious reasons. So it's that self-denial, strictness, severity on yourself, on your body. So basically it's just a set of religious rules. Don't, do not do this, do not do that. And, you know, that whole verse 21, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. It ties in with verse 23. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Um, and, you know, the best way I can explain it as well, that, um, you know, I've come across a couple of these people in my life with what I'd call Pharisees. Um, and there's a particular person sort of, yeah, I should in the family <laughs> but yeah you know strict rules on like you cannot watch this on TV um, you know and you see like the you you see the harsh treatment of the body you've got to just eat these things and all not that I'm saying it's wrong to be healthy but just really strict and um, but there's a lot in this person's life there's a lot of underlying sexual issues there's a hatred developing towards like Muslims you see on Facebook that's where you pick up as well so he's got all these strict rules for people and the appearance as well of anything like we won't watch any show on TV that might be immoral which is not a bad thing in itself but really to the point of ridiculousness um, and yet on Facebook he'll post all this hate stuff about Muslims he'll post sexual jokes but to your face it would be all this you know and, and so it's that kind of thing like in it's you know save the well save the otters whatever but don't deal with all your own control sexual urges anger but all these rules and yet there's all the sensual indulgences that you know that's why it says that you know all these rules and regulations don't actually um have any value in restraining sensual indulgence so you giving the appearance and that is just religion in its essence giving that appearance of, of being, you know, so strict and religious and pious and the false humility and all that, yet underneath there's all this other stuff going on within their own life. And, and that's, you know, when Jesus said to the Pharisees as well, like, you know, you want washed sepulchres, you know, outside you look clean, but inside it's dead man's bones, it's that kind of thing. Because they're only taking care of those external things, yeah. aren't they, by yeah. eating certain foods. Yeah, and it's not dealing with actual heart and issues, issues. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but the thing that makes it worse is as well that they don't um, just do it to themselves they actually impose all these yeah. rules on other people and they're very condemning and very judgmental and yet they've got all this muck inside that they're not dealing with yeah and mm -hmm. so it looks good on the outside because you know I'm looking so pious and so religious but inside there's all this muck yeah, yeah. and um, I like Jesus like flipped the issue on the head you know all the Jewish people all these rules um, like you know what like unclean and unclean foods and that sort of thing and um, he flipped it on his head in Matthew 15 saying what goes into someone's mouth doesn't defile them but what yeah, comes out gosh, of their mouth yep. that is what defiles them and in verse 17 don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach then out of the body so but the, out, that's yeah but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. Yep. Yeah, and that's what he's addressing. Like, it's the heart we need to be concerned with, and the rules and regulations, they don't have any power to cleanse us or save us. Yep. They, yeah. they have no value in restraining. Yeah. Yeah. In, um, I also had, like, Jesus giving an example as well, like, where he overruled that in, um, 
um, well, I just had Mark 3, but I'm sure it's in the other Gospels, where he healed the guy with the um, shriveled hand, like on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees are all waiting to kind of catch him out. Yeah. And he was like, well, would you prefer to do good or evil? You know, he was more concerned about the heart for this person yeah. than observing these ritual kind yeah. of, yeah, practices. And, and that feeds into what we've got here about, the, you know, the, above all the rules and regulations that they have. Mm. Um, and because the Jews literally had hundreds of rules and laws, including what could and couldn't be eaten and drunk and all sorts of other things like when to heal, when you can do, whatever. And Paul's warning against a return to those Jewish laws of things that they considered, as you said as well, clean and unclean. You know, we have that whole beautiful vision that God gave Peter, where you know he was calling, going to um, call him to come and preach at Cornelius's house, so he hadn't been to Gentiles yet, and where God let down that sheet with all the animals and said to him, "Eat," and he's like, "No, you know, I'm not. I've never eaten anything unclean," and you know, I think God did it two times, two or three. I think it was two, was it? Yeah. And then, um, but God, the point is God said to him, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. So he's basically giving him permission to go to the Gentiles, um, you know, so yeah. And that was Acts 10:15. the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And yeah, so if, if we, and that feeds into just that religion being a system of rules versus Christianity, which is relationship. Mm. And again, religion, that system of rules, striving, trying to earn salvation, not relying on the sufficiency of Christ's work, because religion is just works, right? It's not faith. Yeah. It's hypocrisy. I was thinking about the church I used to go to, and there was a lot of that there. Like, if you looked good on the outside, you could be any in any position of leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, if you maybe helped out of the working bees and you served on a Sunday you know that sort of thing maybe if you you know you did two services every week um like if you looked good it doesn't matter what your character was and what inside was like you could be you know in in high leadership in the church um you know there was it was all just rules and regulations it didn't matter if your actions didn't actually line up with the bible and your thinking didn't line up with the bible it was all just about what what looks good on the outside yeah, and let's see what Jesus had to say about that in Matthew twenty-three thirteen to 33. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. I love it when Jesus just gives them <laughs> What for? <laughs> you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourself do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you, I imagine. Oh, they would have been hopping. <laughs> Why do you blind guards? You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing, but anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath, you blind fools. Which, uh, imagine, like, I have to laugh when I read this because... You know, when we've instituted discipline and stuff and we've never even speak to people as harshly <laughs> and we get so accused about it and whatever, and how dare you, you know, you can't speak. Like, they would have flinched, uh, that flinched, lynched Jesus. Like, this mm. is how he spoke. Yeah. You know, and yet people are like, oh, you can't speak like that, you know, you can't be harsh or whatever. It's he like, whipped people out of the temple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep it in contact, people. <laughs> yeah. You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing, but anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that. Oh, if you blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar? 
that makes the gift sacred. Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. This is religion, okay? You hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guards, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. I'll just now just pick out the, the things he says. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the inside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs that look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. Um, you're f- inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Woe to you, you hypocrites. <laughs> you know, I'm just... And he goes on here, I love this. You snakes, you brutal vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Um, you know, I just think, wow... There's a few people I could have spoken to like that and not in a judgmental way, but they are like that. And it would absolutely be considered almost heresy, isn't it, to speak like that with the whole false love gospel of how you should speak to people. And yet that was Jesus, you know. And that's the danger on only teaching half the gospel, isn't it? Mm. So we're soldiers in a war. Yeah. You know how, like, all I've seen is movies, but how when they're drilling, like they're training soldiers first yeah. and they got the drill sergeant and how <laughs> he speaks. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that scares me that Jesus would get chucked out of a lot of churches today. That mm. really saddens yeah. me. Yeah, that says Imagine him going, standing up on a Sunday in a pulpit and speaking like that. Yeah. But it also just makes me... It tickles me as well to just think about because when you're religious like that, you just have this blind hatred mm-hmm. and you have a hatred for the truth and someone that comes at you with the truth, you, you turn that hatred on them. Can you imagine how they were seething? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, excellent. All right, well, this is a uh, perfect opportunity to wrap up. Okay. Um, okay. So, what have we talked about? We have talked about, again, Jesus Christ is the only way. There is no manner of ritual and rules that we need to follow. Is Christ alone and he is enough. Okay. So, Christ alone, he is enough. And we want you to get into the word for yourselves. Start just breaking it apart, asking God just to open your eyes and just get that full, you know, that when you read the Bible it says revelation and not information and we just pray that for you. Um, and just like, yeah, just get into the Word yourself. I cannot stress that enough because that is how you are going to grow and mature in your walk with Christ. Um, and that's all from us tonight. If you want to get in contact with us, you can pop on to not literally pop because that would be impossible. You can go to our, our website www.life-house.net and we'll see you next podcast